0: The reading of Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temples. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, He will conceal me under the covers of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, Be gracious to me, and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on the level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that. I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord.
1: A reading from Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for the darkness is as light to you, the Word of the Lord. Be to God. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Ross. Good morning. Good morning. So I realize that uh, some of some of you and those who are perhaps seated in the parlor, sometimes over the course of a worship service, some find it that they have to leave early. And so I want to be sure that you get the the climax and the answer. Uh, to the sermon. Jesus loves you. God loves you. God has your back. Jesus is risen. Thanks be to God. Amen. There it is. All the cards are on the table. And even the outline, the movement of how this sermon will go is in your abundant living if you're the note-taking type. And so if you feel comfortable in leaving at this point, I won't be offended. But I want you to stay. love you guys (laughs) we have a lot of fun (laughs) Psalm 27 is just like that it tells us the answer tells us the problem tells us the answer again tells us the problem then tells us and ends with the answer again and that's how life and faith works We, as children of God, followers of Jesus, know or should know, trust or should trust, what the answer is. And if this message is the first time that you're hearing the gospel or Jesus, keep listening. Because the answer is Jesus, but then we're confronted with problems, and we'll get into that as King David will talk about that. And then we're confronted with the good news again, and then another problem comes up, another challenge, and then the good news, and again, and again, and again. And so, we'll be talking about that through the angle of fear and anxiety. Because those two are two different things, to have fear and to have, and to have anxiety. I wanna start up this, this message by, um, I've shared with you before of my a beloved maternal late grandmother who was who raised me in the faith. One of the things that Grandma Puring did again and again, which really bothered me and my cousins, was that she was a worry wart, a worry wart, right? And I connect her some somewhat her worry wartness. The extreme version of that can be captured in a funny way, um, through that 2004 fictional character, Saturday Night Live, Debbie Downer, right? This character who, in any setting, will say something and then everyone's like, ah, oh. all right? So here's a, here's a setting. Debbie Downer seated with a family and they're at Disney World, right, Magic Kingdom. And the waiter who's gonna serve the family says, good morning, welcome to Mickey's Breakfast Jamboree. My name is William, I'm, I'm here to serve you today. And one of the uh, kids in the family says, yippee, yippee, we're here, you know, magical gatherings, right? And the waiter says, well, I'm here to tell you the specials for today, right? We have steak and eggs served with home fries and Mickey waffles. One son says, I love, I love steak and eggs. Debbie Downer, ever since they found mad cow disease in the US, I'm not taking any chances. It can live in your body for years before it ravages your brain. Dad says, we did it, gang. We pulled it off. A family reunion at Disney. I don't know about you guys, but the first thing I'm going to do is ride that haunted elevator thingy. It drops you straight down. Daughter says, this is my dream come true. I mean, I'm totally serious. Tigger hugged me at the door, and I thought I was going to cry. And one daughter says, aw. And Debbie Downer goes, I guess Roy isn't doing as well as I first thought. I know, I'm so corny, You have to laugh at my jokes. <laughs> and so one of the daughter says, what, who's Roy? And Debbie Downer goes, Roy, of Siegfried and Roy? He was attacked by his own tiger and suffered devastating injuries, that Roy? And on and on it goes, right? There's a difference between fear and there's, and there's a difference between anxiety. Fear is healthy. Because it warns us of danger. It warns us of that perhaps which we can't take on. Like my eldest son who last week said, I'm not ready to drive on the freeway yet. I'm not quite ready there, right? So fear is healthy. But when fear becomes unhealthy, and we keep thinking about that source of fear or the perceived fear, and it turns into a paralyzing anxiety. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations and thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. For it is in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Anxiety. The early church father, St. Augustine, speaks about anxiety and fear. He talks about how god has blessed us with many blessings right many gifts blessings of life family friends blessings of the wonderful wonderful creation the blessing of the sun and so forth but then he goes on to say that when we place our 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 trust in our life on the finite things right on the finite things on that which god has given to us and those things or those people become the only thing, he says. The only thing. Then we're in trouble. Because anxiety is what Tim Keller calls the implosion, the implosion of that one thing. When that one thing that we really care about, our career, our family, our health, our reputation, our stock portfolios. I'm glad the Dow is up last Friday right there, uh, when the markets closed that that one thing that somehow when we think that our life can't move without that one thing or that one person and that it slowly implodes or it begins to crack and then there's a fear and it then becomes anxiety that's where St. Augustine says then we're in trouble because it then causes us to say so what is that What is that one thing? Has it become, as he calls, as we use in, right, in scriptures, the false idol? Has it become that which wraps us and we are suffocated? And if something happens to that one thing, perhaps our sense of wanting to be in control, wanting things to be in order. We pastors have fears as well, don't we? We have fears. One of those liturgical fears is... Will there be water in the baptismal font when we're ready to baptize? Did folks put the water in there? Or when I was a solo pastor in, uh, in New Jersey and we would celebrate the Lord's table every, every Sunday, uh, there was one Sunday where the deacons forgot to get fresh bread, right? And so they uh, took one of the loaves in the freezer and didn't quite... Um, Press the 60 seconds long enough, I think they did 30 seconds, and so when it was time to say, and this is uh, the body broken for you, it wouldn't break. He <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> the fear became real, and so the, one of the deacons, literally, she took one part, and I took the other, and we were resting there at the chancel, right? <laughs> the fear of what would happen of what would happen to that one thing or that one person or persons, and we can't move. You know what that feels like. And one writer said, Fear may be compared to a fungus which grows in the dark, but when exposed to the light, dries up and disintegrates. When we live fearfully, our pace slows and we expect to be injured. We expect to find demons where there are none, What we do not understand, we tend to fear. What we fear, we tend to devalue. What we devalue soon becomes a devil. And we say it all the time to ourselves, to our loved ones, don't be scared. We say it so easily, don't be scared. But we are scared. We are scared. The new mother who has real postpartum depression, am I doing this right? College students who are wondering, okay, so which college will I accept or will I be accepted? A divorced person, can I handle my finances because my spouse did it? Will there be a tomorrow? For those who are losing their memory, is this early onset of dementia or is it just growing old? when i retire 10 15 20 years from now will i have enough saved up and on and on it goes real fear but then does it turn into anxiety where we lose perspective we lose our footing we forget who we are and and and, and whose we are and this is where this sermon bible study series on light right is needed this the, the light of the, the light of God to penetrate through that which seems like a hovering dark cloud that just seems to stay there. Or where in Psalm 27, King David sort of describes it as, wow, it feels like an army encamped all around me, pressing on both sides. Or he goes on to compare it like, boy, this is like a parent forsaking me a father and mother who has forgotten me has God forgotten me has God forsook us and we have to take those fears yes and anxiety seriously you see this is not a this is not a message about what your psychologist or your doctor your medical doctor has prescribed i'm not here to tell you to stop taking the the you know the Prozac or the Xanax that's not what this is about we're not that kind of doctor right But what we are here for is to say, what is that spiritual perspective that calibrates and that helps us to see what the fear and perhaps source of anxiety really is? Or what is the response that scriptures, that God, who is the God of light, calls us to when we have and are confronted or confronting whatever plagues our hearts and our souls and causes us to wonder, God, where are you? God, have you forgotten me? God, I seem alone, and you're not listening to my prayer. Psalm 27 has has David with fear and perhaps even anxiety. Tim Keller reminds us of how St. Augustine really broke, broke down this, this notion of of. In, in verse four of Psalm 27, right where it says, "Here are the three. Here are the three responses. Here are the three responses when confronted with fear." King David says that I want to live in the temple of God. One, two, I want to behold His beauty or behold His glory. And three, I want to inquire of the Lord. To live in His temple, to behold his beauty or behold his glory, and three, to inquire of the Lord. There's the three things, right? And so let's look at that in turn. To live, right? To live in the temple. Now, is King David saying, well, let me bring in all my clothes and let me move in into the temple, right? For those of us who work about 50, 60 hours here at the campus, it feels like, right, that we live here in the, in the temple, in the church. But is that what King David is? Is King David wanting to leave the royal palace and to join the Levitical priest in the temple? No, right? That's not what he's saying. To live or to dwell or to make your tent in the temple of God is is, is one way of saying I want to be where God is. I want to be in the very presence of God. I want to be in the face of God. I want to know like what Psalm 139, the other text right? that was read that there's no place that I could go or not go that God is there, right? And so to be living in the temple of God is to say, I want to live with God. I want to be in the very presence of God and know that God is there. And so that leads to number two. So if the heart's desire is wanting to live with God, to be in the presence of God in the midst of fear, then it says, I want to behold the beauty of God. To behold the beauty of God. And what does that say? To behold the beauty of God is to to be eye to eye, face to face, and the one who loves you. Right? It's one thing to be in a large conference room or a ballroom and say, yeah, I'm in the presence of so-and-so. Oh, yeah. I was was over there and I'm best friends with so-and-so. Well, no. Do they know that you were there? Um, To behold behold the beauty and glory of God, right, is to be face-to-face with God. Now, well, what does that mean to be face-to-face with God? Are we face-to-face with God? And here's where St. Augustine breaks it down for us. To gaze in the face of God, to behold of God's glory, has three parts. One part, or the first part, is what he calls retentio, or to receive the knowledge of God, right? To learn about the knowledge of God, to, to receive, wow, God's love, to learn about Jesus, to learn about the Spirit, to learn about grace, and all of that, right? To retain the knowledge of God. But then, Augustine says that it also requires what he calls contemplatio, or to, or to contemplate God, to meditate upon God, to have the truths of God. The love of God the light of God marinate into our hearts right to ponder God to to pray to God but then it leads to a third element this is what Augustine talks about the delectio to savor God to delight in God right think of your loved one think of your of your spouse to be in the presence To be in their face, to see their eye face to face, right? And to delight in their love. To know of God's love in every recess of your being. And then it says in Psalm 27, to inquire of the Lord. Well, inquiring of the Lord is connected to what it says later in verse 11. Teach me your ways. Lord, teach me your ways. Inquiring of the Lord is to say, Lord, teach me how you do life. Teach me how you do life, i.e., help me to be obedient to your call. Help me to to love you, to love as as you loved us, because I can't do it. So teach me your way. See, obedience obedience to God is a way in which we express our love for God, right? Um, if I didn't do what um, if I didn't do what God, what grace wants me to do, boy, I'll be out in the street quickly or maybe camped out in my office right but part of loving is knowing your loved one right to anticipate okay this is what my wife wants and to try to try to be two steps ahead and then to do that thing right it's knowing the person being known and knowing the person happens with friendships happens with us pastors as colleagues okay yeah this is how jack will be this how jan will be let me do it this way right and vice versa it's knowing the person so being in the presence and beholding and inquiring they're all part of relationships so we know that's what we ought to do but then we have a heart issue don't we the heart issue is what the heart issue is is that the fear that we have often moves to anxiety because we dwell on it We dwell on that and we're not sure who we are. We're not sure if what was proclaimed to young Blake is true for us. That we truly are deep down beloved children of God, no matter what age we are, no matter what circumstance we are, that deep down, I am a child of God. For those of you who are tennis fanatics as as I am this morning, Uh, Novak Djokovic won his seventh uh, title crown at the Australian Open. And you all know that I'm not really a fan of Djokovic. I love Federer. (laughs) But Djokovic, what I admire about Djokovic is he has said many times, I am first an Orthodox Christian before I am a Serbian tennis player. Right? Before we are all the things that we are, or not. We are children of God. When my beloved maternal grandmother was in the final years of her life as she was convalescing in the hospital and her memory was fading, she had an aneurysm, had all sorts of things, five years in the hospital. And she began to no longer remember some of the grandchildren and different memories that we had, but what she remembered were a few hymns here or there. Amazing Grace was one that she always mouthed through her tracheotomy. She could sing that, because she was in the choir too. She sang in the chancel choir for like, I think, five decades, forever. And she knew the Lord's Prayer. Amazing What she was taught as a kid, right, boiled down to from all the years that she lived, boiled down to I'm still a child of God and I'm going to do what children of God are taught, which is to sing amazing grace and to pray the Lord's Prayer. Because that is the basic, this is the core of who I am. This is the core of who we are. Am I loved by God? Do we believe it in the recesses of our being? That's the heart issue that Psalm 27 is confronted with and that we are confronted with again and again. As a child of God, do we believe it? Am I a beloved child of God? Which means if we hold it in the deep recesses of our being that we, you and I, are beloved children of God, therefore, God loves us no matter what. God has our backs. That's where the good news is, right? The good news, as amplified through 1 John, through 1 John in the New Testament, says perfect love, what? Casts out fear. 1 John 4.18. Perfect love casts out fear. 1 John, will say earlier, who, who or what is that perfect love? Who is it? Jesus Christ is God's perfect love, isn't he? He is the one who knows us inside and out. He is the one who knows every, every recess of our being, every fear and every anxiety, right? He is the one who, was, who felt forsaken so that we would not be forsaken. He is the one who was so loved so that we can love. He is the one, and he is the only one. He is not the one among many. He is not the first among equal priorities of, yeah, there's Jesus, there's God, and then there's you know, family and friends and so on and so forth. No, he is actually the preeminent one. Like, no competition. Like, he is not the one that gets the gold prize and the others get silver and bronze. Like, he is the only one standing on that Olympic platform. And all the rest, all of our loved ones, and including ourselves, we are so loved by him. And it is through him and his eyes that we then see all of our relationships and all of our circumstances, including ourselves, to say, yes, fear and anxiety are real. But thanks be to God that Jesus takes those cares upon his shoulders the one who is the beloved son of God, and because he's the beloved son of God, we know that we are beloved sons and daughters of God in Christ through the Spirit. And so we can say with the psalmist, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you are our light and our salvation, the stronghold of our life, the one who is with us in our fears and, yes, with our anxieties. Thank you for loving us and that we can cast our cares and our very life in your loving hands. We pray these things in the blessed name of your Son,
0: our Lord Jesus. Amen.